We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is Mean Lean from ArsenalVision.co.uk. Thank you for listening. Uh, yeah, the actual plan of these podcasts is to have them released after the matches on the same day. Uh, but for one reason or another, that hasn't happened as yet. But that is the, that is the plan. It's, it's all very rough at the moment, but uh, we've got a few good ideas in place. And hopefully these will, will get better and better as time goes on. So, Arsenal 2, Borussia Dortmund 0. We have now qualified for the knockouts, clean sheet, and a Yaya Sonogo goal. All in all, a very, very good night. I'd go as far as to say that was our most complete performance of the season so far. I did think our, our first half against Man United was our best, obviously, minus the lack of goals. Um, but yeah, overall, yeah, that was an excellent performance. Um, from start to finish, the way we pressed the ball, where we, where we didn't, didn't allow... Dortmund any time in, in midfield to settle on, on the ball. We were pressing them and closing them down and you know, not giving them time time to find their targets. And when, when we won the ball back quickly, we, we, we counted really fast, um, both in terms of dribbling and passing. And I also noticed our passing seems a lot more direct. In the last two games, we're passing quickly and, and trying to get into their half as fast as we can. And uh, it's working really well, I feel. And it, it surely, with the likes of Walker to come back, that can only get better. But um, yeah, against Man United, we, we couldn't find the breakthrough against Manchester United. But after two minutes, we found it with a goal from Yaya Sanogo, of all people. That goal, though, was pure Yaya Sanogo. His first few touches of the ball from the Chambers throw. Fantastic skill. His little flick of Walter Santi. 
excellent. I think, wow, great technique. He's a big guy, but, you know, he's got excellent first touch. And then the ball back from Sandy, his first touch was was poor. Um, almost ran away from him, but he managed to squeeze in his shot into the near post. 1-0, and then um, he gets on the score sheet. That's a good thing for him, he's confident, a good thing for us. Um, so that's, it's, it's, it's very positive. Hopefully he can continue that. Oh, he can't continue that now, can he? Because he's now injured himself for hamstring strain. Don't know how, how bad that will be, but um, hopefully it's not too bad because you know, now his confidence is up. We want, to, we want him to get back on the pitch as soon as possible, even from the bench. It was an excellent team team performance on the whole, but um, in that team in that team performance, there was a lot of good individual ones as well. Um, Callum Chambers in the last two games has been really really good for us now. Um, you know, he had a very difficult time at Swansea, but ever since then. You know, he seemed to pick up his game, which is, which is good to see. Ox has been fantastic as well. I thought last night, and Man United as well, he just, whenever he gets the ball, he just looks confident in, in, in what he's going to do next. The way he drives, drives at the players now, and he takes them on, and, you know, it's hard to stop because he can go in, inside or outside. You know, he can beat you with skill, he can beat you with pace. You know, he finds the right pass more often now nowadays, which is good. So, that shot in the second half. Such a shame we didn't go in because it, it was a beautiful strike, wasn't it? It bounced up for him and just, he sort of smashed it, but he controlled it as well. You can see how, how he didn't want to put too much too much through it so he didn't go over the bar and just hit, hit the crossbar. He's, he's done that a few times now, hasn't he? Hit the bar. Poor guy. Hopefully they'll start going in soon. In my opinion, though, the best player on the pitch last night was Santi Cazorla. I thought he was fantastic from start to finish last night. Magnificent performance. How how he manages to get out of of tight spaces with like three players around him, uh, you know, it's amazing. His feet, his feet are so quick. Uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought he rolled back the clock a little bit there. His first season, he was magnificent, he was doing that all the time. And I thought, you know, while he hasn't been quite his best, I think he's been, been a bit overplayed. His his form. I, I think people have seen his missed chances and said, oh well, he's been awful. He's been awful. He just hasn't been as good as that first season. But he was last night, I thought. Involved in everything. And yeah, he need he needs to keep that up. Especially with um Wilshire out and Urzel out for a little bit longer. Um if he can maintain that that sort of form, it's gonna really help the team. Because he creates chances and you know, he 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 doesn't lose the ball if he's playing well. It's a great thing about him. Both feet, as you know. Magnificent player. In fact, I think I enjoy watching him more than anybody else. Yeah, I think so. Speaking of players that I enjoy watching, what a goal from Alexis Sanchez. Amazing goal. The way he cut inside his man and bent in their corner. For 2-0. Killed the game, effectively. But what can you say about him that hasn't been said a thousand times already? Nothing much, really, because he does it so consistently. All the time. It's just, just outstanding. But um, it's just, just crazy if you think about it. A new club... New league, new teammates, new language, and he just does it all the time. I don't even think he was at his best last night. All against Manchester United. Doesn't have to be all the time though, because of the effort he puts in and and the way he can beat players and he's so direct and he's running. Just amazing. He might give the ball away a lot, but he wins the ball back a lot and he scores a lot, so you're excused, sir. You're excused. And there you have it. Qualification to the knockouts. We have to see who we face now um, in the knockouts and try and go one better than we have done in the last few years because it's been a stumbling block of ours, isn't it?
Yeah, it was all going so well. It was all, all going so good until Mikel Arteta's injury. And he's going to be a big miss because we, we can't really replace him, can we? That's the sad thing. There's not, there's not not anyone who can do what he does. Uh, we've got players to play in that position, like the Flamster, but he doesn't. He can't. He can't use the ball like Arteta can. Uh, but you know, you have to see how it goes, really, isn't it? Slight chance of getting top spot. Unlikely though, isn't it? Really, because we've got to beat Galatasaray away, and Dortmund have to win, have to lose or draw at home to Anderlecht. I'll get out eventually. Uh, yeah, can't see that happening, to be honest. But the main thing is to is to qualify and to build some confidence, and we've done that. So that's good. That's, that's a good thing. I'm now going to hand you over to the podcast team, James and Elliot. We've got a guest with us today. We've got Michael Price from You Are My Arsenal. So here it is. Double jinxes ahoy as Yaya Sonogo fires Arsenal to win over Dortmund as intrepid podcast host predicted uh, on previous pod. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, or a Yankee gunner. Uh, we are going to discuss the glorious victory over Dortmund yesterday, uh, and I am going to take some uh, well-deserved abuse for saying in 100 <laughs> out of 100 matches we would be unable to beat Dortmund. Uh, it turns out it only took one out of one match, which is wonderful to see. Uh, I am happy to receive that abuse today. Uh, from our guests, uh, and we'll start with James, Fanatic 49 James, thanks for coming on. Good afternoon to you, Alan. Well, I suppose good morning across the pond. Yeah, good morning. It, it is a Thanksgiving, and we have a win to be thankful for, and uh, haven't had many of those this season, so that's good. We also have Michael Price from You Are My Arsenal, a fellow American celebrating Thanksgiving. So, Michael, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, James. How are you and, and everyone? Yes, yep. very well. Happy Thanksgiving to the both of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think... Uh, Michael, you will enjoy being on this more than last time when we discussed uh, the United match. So this this should be a lovely, pleasant discussion that involves mostly making fun of me. Uh, to make matters worse, not only did I say that we had zero chance of beating Dortmund on the last pod, I also then went on Twitter before the match and said uh, there is no scenario where starting Yaya Sonogo in a competitive match is acceptable. So I am I am uh, in baseball parlance batting a thousand, but I am here for the amusement of trolls and and. Uh, and that's that's basically what I've done to myself. So let's get started really quickly, I think, um, just by talking about the performances that impressed us most from yesterday. I think we can get to the game uh, in a more general sense later. But the first thing I want to do is just say, uh, in terms of specific players yesterday, James, who were the the men of the match that stood out for you? Well, there were a few standout performers. You know, you can... The Ox, for example, who's been, I think, actually consistently very, very good over these last few games. But we can't really talk about, you know, an individual performance without mentioning Sonogo. There was this feeling at the at the ground, especially given sort of the timing of the goal, um, the way in which we'd started the game, the sort of jovial sense amongst the fans of, like, we were there when it happened. Um, and, you know, the goal itself was actually, there was a, a beautiful little interchange between Sonogo and Cazorla. Um, and I, th- I think Yaya's touch um, was a little heavy at, f- at first, but, you know, he started it uh, away quite well. But his all-round performance actually wasn't too bad. I don't think there was anyone in the crowd that was particularly pleased to see Sonogo up top. I suppose Wenger's feeling towards having Yaya up there instead of Lucas is his sort of physical ability, and that 
is very much something that he you could see he does possess his ability with the ball on you know on his chest and and and, and with his head is is actually fairly impressive in the flesh um although uh, as soon as the ball comes to feet it's you know he does sort of um personify chaos theory um <laughs> <laughs> but i no, i mean you know sonogo aside i thought oxley chamberlain was uh, was fantastic yet again i thought you know that goal from alexis was was magical and in fact, although the two performances I was most pleased by were Aaron Ramsey and Santi, just because mm. they've had such a well, such a poor start to the season thus far, and I think that lack of midfield, you know, quality this season has been much of our undoing. And they both put neither of them were particularly fantastic, but I thought they were both very solid. Uh, Ramsey's distribution was 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 far better. His his sort of decision making was, you know, that discussion of going back to the basics, and he looked physically fit. Um, so those, were, those, were, in my eyes, actually the, the two most promising performances of the match. Yeah, it's funny. I actually uh, tweeted just recently that I thought maybe the two most significant good performances yesterday were Ramsey and Santi because of the struggles they've had, and because they now look set for, you know, significant playing time with Ozil not yet back and Wilshire. Uh, being out for three months with, unfortunately, another ankle surgery. What about you, Michael? I mean, you know, obviously Alexis is just sensational. It almost feels silly to talk about him as a man man of the match at this point. Um, Other than Alexis, uh, who impressed you? Well, just a, real quick about Alexis. I just got to say, that, that, first of all, that goal was just sublime. Um, and, and frankly, I thought from a, a little bit of the match, he was a little bit, he was a little anonymous. You know, but you know that's the great thing about him. He can take a moment and make it a moment and, and do it. But I, I have to agree. For me, that the standout performances were more because they were performances that we needed to see from them. Were, were Cazorla and uh, and Ramsey, and I think for Ramsey, I think what what I saw there was he went back to simple. He played simple. He made the smart passes. He was starting to make runs off the ball, and I and I noticed something, and I don't know if anybody else picked up on this. But between him and Cazorla, they actually swapped going deeper. And every now and then you would see Cazorla coming back deeper and Ramsey going up forward and vice versa. So I thought that was uh, an effective um, tandem that seemed to be working out. But overall, I thought both had performances reminiscent for Cazorla. I think it's reminiscent of that season that he was just so dominant uh, and so good. And then Ramsey, obviously, I thought sans a goal – he was doing everything right. And then I think the other person that people aren't um, praising enough, and they maybe should, is um, is uh, Nacho Monreal, who goes into a, another big match. And, and look, I, I think he gets a lot of stick at center back because, A, he's not Koscielny, and, B, he's not a center back. Uh, and I frankly don't think that he's – maybe against Swansea he looked a little – you know, ragged. But overall, I thought he's performed very well in that role. And I think last night he was really impressive. Really didn't um, do put a foot out of place, and and for the most part played his role solidly. And so did Emmy Martinez. So it really is the two people that we needed to step up, and then two people that maybe people won't look at because they're not big names that everybody likes them to be. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny when it comes to Monreal. I, I thought he was. Excellent last night and mostly has been good. I mean, uh, the Gomez goal for Swansea was just a case of him not having 
the, the physicality of a center back, mm-hmm. which is not his fault. The only real error I can think of him making was the penalty he gave away uh, against Anderlecht, which was poor. But, you know, find me a center back that doesn't make a mistake. And right now you could arguably say he is the stronger of the two center backs we have playing. Um, you know, one of the things that is noticeable for me, I, you could suggest that the two performances, United and Dortmund, um, have been two of our best performances, despite the result against United and sort of, you know, some some of the issues that we covered in the last pod. But I think there's a real question now with the Arteta injury um, of where that leaves us. You know, I thought Arteta was was great again last night while he was on the pitch. Um, and, and then there's also the issue of Jack Wilshere's injury. And, and, and Michael, you, you brought up how Ramsey and Cazorla seem to have an understanding of ask you james is kind of a, a two-pronged question one is not that we want to pick on uh, jack while he's injured but one is do you think it's just the fact right now that our midfield operates better when jack isn't in it whether that's positional discipline or other players knowing what their role is because jack likes to sort of freelance for lack of a better word and and, and do his own thing and then also how important is Arteta? How big is the drop-off with Flamini? And are you concerned that the momentum we're building is going to be negatively impacted again by having to make that step down from Arteta to Flamini? So, in terms of Jack and Flamini, you know, what would you make of their roles in the struggles our we've seen from our midfield over the last two, three, four weeks? Okay, well, I'll start with the injury to Arteta. Um, and I think it was pretty interesting because I actually went to the game yesterday with a United fan, a close friend of mine who does, you know, tend to take a very objective view on football. And he commented during the game how impressed he was by Mikel. Uh, you know, it, I think even amongst the majority of the Arsenal fan base, it's it's often difficult to to really sort of visualize and see exactly what it is that he brings to the team. But you know, he very much is that metronome in the side. Um, he's so steady. He's so reliable. Yes, he's limited in his physicality and and sort of his legs, especially at his age now. Um, but he is so crucial to us in that midfield. Um, and him and Flamini, although playing the same position to a certain degree, are such opposite types of players. And that is one hundred percent going to be our biggest issue. I think even bigger than. Especially now that Koscielny's back, and I guess Debussy is not is is soon to be sort of a few weeks back. Um, that defensive midfield position is is really what could be our undoing over the next few games. Uh, I'm personally, I've never been that enchanted by the introduction of Matteo Flamini to the Arsenal squad, um, even when he was you know brought in last summer. I guess he did do a decent job at least for the first half of the season. But now I just I don't think he's anywhere near Arsenal quality to be honest, and I think that could prove to be a major liability. Um, with regards to Jack, I think, certainly statistically speaking, even from just watching games, we've looked, whichever way you want to cut or slice it, we've looked a lot worse when Jack has been in the team. And, you know, I do say that with full knowledge that, yes, we put in a great performance against United for the first, say, 50 minutes. But those crucial moments in the game, they fell to Jack. They fell to Jack in that one crucial moment against Chelsea as well fell to Jack. And as of right now, he hasn't been sort of bringing the level of quality that we would expect from him to the table. 
And I think it's obviously very disappointing to see him get another long-term injury, and I'm sure um, he'll be supremely frustrated. But given where this team is right now, I, I would almost suggest that it might be a blessing in disguise. Although I do say that with the full knowledge that I'm not, I've, I've never been quite the supporter of Jack in the same way that, say, yourself or um, or Paul um, are from sort of what I, I read from your you know comments, et cetera, on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I was a huge supporter of Jack Wilshire, and like I said, I don't want to kick him while he's down, uh, although that seems to be the best way to get him off his game. Um, you know, I, I think the issue is not necessarily Jack's performance. I think it is how Jack plays impacting the performances of others. Um, there are some terrible statistics for Arsenal right now about uh, how, you know, the goals we've scored, the goals we've shipped – points we've accrued with Jack on and off the pitch. And it's not flattering to him. And again, it's not because I think he's specifically playing poorly, but I think the way he plays and, you know, the, the timing of when he passes, when he uh, drops deeper or, or, or comes forward, whatever it happens to be, I think is a little more chaotic. And I, I just feel that, you know, Ramsey and Cazorla in particular looked very comfortable last night with him not in the squad, and they have not looked comfortable playing with him. Um, for whatever reason, players seem to have a difficulty developing an understanding with him. Um, you know, and there's absolutely no denying Arteta's influence and importance. And it, it also, I think, highlights how nice it would have been to upgrade from Arteta, uh, you know, an Arteta improvement in the summer because as important as he is, you mentioned, you know, what's happening with his legs. You know, Michael, obviously midfield is, is a crucial part of the pitch. You look at the players we have, you feel that it should be performing better. Do you think that, you know, we, we never, we're never excited to see injuries. So I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm taking in that direction, but do you think that the midfield having a, a sustained period with, with Jack and sort of his chaotic, potentially disruptive style of play, not being there will be beneficial. And additionally, you know, I mean, how how difficult do you think it's going to be now to have to go back to adapting to life without Arteta? Well, I I, I think Arteta is a big loss because I think the, the, what I what I and, and even even having Flamity and Jack in the side to me, I, the only way I can describe it is chaotic. Our midfield seems chaotic, and I don't mean yeah. that as a negative in terms of their playing styles. I just mean that that when you have Arteta and Cazorla in there for me, and even Ramsey, we seem much more patient, controlled. We don't seem to be rushing. Now, granted, Ramsey has, is. We're just going off of one performance, but I'm I'm, I'm looking back to Ramsey total picture, even last season. We're much more controlled. We're much more patient with the ball. I always feel when I'm watching Flamini or or Jack in the side that we seem rushed, we seem chaotic. And and I know people use that term balance, and I know it's a favorite word of Wenger's, but I, I really wonder if that's the case, if we're just un, unbalanced when those two are in the squad, either individually or together. Um, Arteta isn't physical. He, and, I, and I think, you know, I think we as Arsenal fans, supporters, we tend to measure up our players against our heyday. And, and when you look at some of the people that have operated in that role, you know, from, 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 from Gilberto to, to, to Vieira and others, you know, it, it's, it sucks to be the people that, that have to follow them because you're off, you, you're, you're unfairly measured against them. And I think what, 
you know, we don't play with a traditional DM, and we haven't since Gilberto left. We play with a deep-lying playmaker who provides cover, but the sole purpose is to be that link between the the center backs and, and the midfield, and that's what Arteta does very well, and he's calm with it. And yes, he breaks up plays, but his big... So his big role is really bringing that play from deep to forward and creating uh, creating the momentum going forward. And I think Arteta does that admirably, and he does it calmly and coolly, and really seldom seldomly puts a foot out of place. But in terms of what you want to DM, if you want to play that as a traditional role, he's not going to give you that. And 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 we don't play in that style. And I think it's a little bit of a misnomer to say that we're missing a DM when we haven't really played one with one for a while. Uh, so I, I really just I look at the team and just say, you know, we're much more controlled. We're better off without Jack in it, or at least that's my perception. And I'm not saying we necessarily are. Um, I think Jack, when Jack has the ball, I think Jack holds on to the ball too forward, too too much. And I also get really frustrated with Jack when he goes down without an injury, but he sits on the ground for, for, for five to mm-hmm. ten seconds after he loses the ball, looking for a call that's not there rather than getting up and, and, and doing it. And yesterday I saw it, Ramsey goes down, and he's back up right away. He's not looking for the call. He didn't get the call, so he and he doesn't take himself out of the play. And he actually got back up and was able to pressure the ball right away. Jack stays down on the ground, and and we're short a man while the ball is being, you know, whatever, chuffed out of the um the 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 offensive end. I I I I know Jack is supremely talented. I know he's the great hope of England, the English national football team. But I just find him to be detrimental to our style of play at times when he's when he's on the field. I'm not saying that he won't be great, but I think he still has a lot of maturity to do. So yeah, you know, it's it's funny, right? Because there's a difference between having talent and and being a positive contributor to your team. Um, I'll just give you a couple of statistics really quickly that I think are illuminating with Jack. He is among the lowest on the team in successful tackles and attempted tackles. Okay. But, uh, interestingly, he is among the top of the team in yellow cards. Now you can say, well, yellow cards are good, right? That means they're they're that he's breaking up attacks and sometimes, you know, yellow cards are, are tactical. But what I would say is if you're attempting among the fewest tackles, but picking up the most yellow cards, that means you're not getting your yellow cards because you're trying a lot of tackles and helping defensively. It means you're getting kicked a bunch, you're losing your head, and you're committing a stupid yellow card. And I think to me, those tackles sort of sum up what's wrong with his play in that he's not helping defensively, he's not attempting to make tackles, he's not successfully tackling, but then he's losing his head, he's losing his composure, and he's picking up cards um, when he's getting frustrated with how the game is going. And that's sort of a classic me first attitude, right? Uh, toys out of the pram, pick up a cheap yellow when a pass doesn't come off or he thought he got a kick and didn't get a call. Um, so, you know, uh, but, but without wanting to, to, to keep going on, on Jack. Well, just quickly. That's, I mean, that is a thing that, that as fans, you can, you will lo- both love and hate about him is he's so passionate. He clearly loves the club in a, in a sort of at least a similar way to us as fans, but, he doesn't seem to direct that passion into the right medium whatsoever. I mean, you look at that 
unnecessary headbutt on Fellaini that could have, at that time in the game, could have been, well, the game was costly as it was, but um, that, that would have been a game-changing moment. He's just, he seems extremely reckless. He He's so quick to react to certain decisions that are um, given against him or, or, or certain moments in a match. And he, he doesn't seem to have that composure that you need to be able to sort of lead a side like Arsenal at this moment in time. Yeah, you, you know, that that is an interesting point, though. Uh, and, and I'm going to tell you something, James. Like, I, I get frustrated with it. If I criticize Jack on Twitter for a stupid foul or a yellow card, I get a lot of, at least he's got passion. None of the other players care. And Jack's, Jack's an Arsenal man. And, that, you know, honestly, that's all nonsense. Like, you know, I want players who are smart, who are intelligent, who, you know, are tactically aware. I don't care if they're all blood and thunder. You know, that's how you wind up with 11 Matthew Flamini's on the pitch instead of 11 Mikel Arteta's. You know, players who keep their head, who are tactical, who are intelligent. To me, a player who's picking up a lot of cards per 90 minutes on the pitch, who's attempting a lot of tackles, that says to me they're working defensively, they're trying to make tackles, a lot of tackles, and every once in a while they get one wrong. A player who hardly, hardly attempts a tackle... Um, you know, but picks up a lot of cards, that means they're not getting their cards contributing to the team. That means they're getting their cards being a diva, being a me first guy, being a, you know, they're picking up their cards because they're, they're, um, you know, more concerned with a call they didn't get or a pass they didn't complete than with what the team is trying to do. But, but let, let's stay on a, on a positive note, which is you know, my specialty. Um, uh, <laughs> You know, it, it, was, it was a great win yesterday. We we have to at least do this really quickly. You know, on a scale from Thierry Henry to your mother or your wife or your child, how much do you love Alexis, Michael? Oh God, it's a Thierry Henry kind of love at that at that. At le- at it's that getting le- there, isn't it? <laughs> it really is because I mean, it. You look at everything that. Um, that Luis Suarez gave Liverpool last season. The ability to turn a match when everything else sucked about it. And I, and I think I, I think Alexis gives you that and then some. Because I think... I just love his entire work ethic on the pitch and everything he brings from his, his offensive ability to his desire to get back and, and, and win the ball. There's nothing about his game that you, that you don't like. I mean, there's just... Honestly, there's not, there's not a flaw. I don't know if flaw is the right way, but there's not a, um, there's not something that he does that you say, I wish he wouldn't do that. Um, you know, it's with, with certain players we have. You know, you kind of say, well, I, I like this about his game, but I really, I like like with Jack. I love his energy and I love his desire, but there's components to his game that I just wish we didn't have to deal with. With Sanchez, you just look and say, what's where's the flaw? Where is you know, Invincibleog put it, um, uh, you, you know, uh, out today. He goes, he goes, if you could be anything, be anything. But if you could be Alexis, just be Alexis or something like that. Because he, yeah. he's just, he really is that good. And um, I, I, I yearn for the day when we have a healthy attack options and, and, and Ozil goes back to being Ozil and, and Theo's available. Because I really think that we have the components for probably the one of the best attacks in the league. I really do. I've been bullish on that for, for some time. And I know that's not a popular sentiment to take because we're supposed to be all angry at this point right now. 
Um, but I'm I, I'm I'm angry. Um, are we not in a crisis? <laughs> we're in a crisis. Now but, we're now we're we're oh, we're perpetually in an injury crisis, and then other crises just come and go. Right, but I, I mean, I, I just really think that that Alexis just gives us something. I think he, something even more than what Robin Van Persie did. And I, I mean, on the same level of what he did in that tw- in that season where he single handedly got us into the Champions League, I, I just think I, I think it's it's. Yeah, are we going to depend on one player? Yeah, but what team doesn't? Manchester City beat Bayern Munich on the performance of Kun Aguero. I, I, I mean, what team doesn't depend on one player? And um, the, the the great teams, I think, the Bayern Munichs and the Real Madrids, they, they, they have a bunch of players you can depend on. But the teams that do good have a player that, that you can depend on. And Alexis Sanchez is that. And, 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 and frankly, he's just so bloody good with the ball. Uh, that goal last night, the, 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 the score against Swansea uh, in, in the Carling Cup or, or whatever that competition's called these days. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, what goal hasn't he scored? That's just, every goal he scores is nearly sublime. It's just amazing. Yeah, well, I, I mean... The other thing I think you have to praise, and James, I'll let you speak to this a little bit too. I mean, there's a lot of talented players out there. There are few talented players out there that seem to work as hard as Alexis. I mean, I looked at uh, one of those radar thingies that are becoming popular statistically for Cristiano Ronaldo, and it's like no radar you've ever seen. But the thing that stuck out to me, and same with Lionel Messi, is they attempt and and successfully complete basically no tackles. Um, Alexis attempts more tackles per 90 and is successful with more tackles per 90 than any non-defensive player in our team except Matthew Flamini. You know, when you watch him play, does it sometimes frustrate you that other players aren't able to, you know, give that kind of energy or are you just sort of mesmerized by what, what he does, you know, both with the ball at his feet and without the ball? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm mesmerized. I'm utterly infatuated. Um, all of the above. I, I mean... Yes, obviously you see a player like Alexis, and you you sometimes think to yourself, well, well what, why isn't you know why isn't player X working as hard as Alexis? Why isn't why why can't everyone else be putting in the same desire and commitment into every single action that they partake in during a match? But he's he's a physical anomaly, I think. I mean, it's it's not normal what Alexis does. I mean, he just has an engine like no other. Not only is he is he morading around the pitch and on you know for the full ninety minutes? He's he's sprinting back consistently. He's not just you know he's not just covering a lot of ground. He's he's harrying defenders. He's recovering. He's then taking on players and it it, it it's it's just so unbelievable to watch. And I think you know I, what's quite exciting about it is you talk about you know does that frustrate you in 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 that other players can't sort of show that same commitment? But I think you see it a little bit with with Alex Oxlade Chamberlain now is. Being in and around on the training ground with Alexis and playing alongside him, it's hard but to not learn you know, a thing or two from him. And I think part of the reason we're beginning to see Alex perform in the way that he has, and I, I really do think Oxley chamberlain has been one of our standout performers this season thus far on a fairly consistent basis at that, um, is there's, there's, there seems to be an added energy to him as well. I'm obviously not quite in the same way as Sanchez, but I don't think... I think that's a pretty insurmountable task. 
I, you know, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that, actually, because I said to Tim Stillman just yesterday, I wonder if watching Sanchez on the training ground is having an impact on Oxlade-Chamberlain because he's, he's kind of developing into a mini Sanchez in some ways. He seems to trust his dribble a little more. Um, he seems to have a little more fight, a little more energy, uh, a little more bite in the tackle. I just, you know, it, it's great to see. And, and you know, Arson often talks about, uh, you know, the captain is important, but really what he wants is 11 captains on the pitch. I don't want a leader like Jack Wilshire who leads by screaming and yelling and diving and mm-hmm. diving into tackles and getting yellow cards. And a Matthew lead- Flamini at that as well. Or a Matthew Flamini, right, who, who, who leads by going in two-footed. I want a, a leader like Alexis Sanchez where other players are going to go, holy crap, I, I guess I better run around a little more. Look at this guy. You know, not only is he the best player on our team, he's the hardest working player on our team. And, right. and I just think, you know, that anyone can be talented, but not everyone can work hard. Um, and he really combines it. Right. Um, One of the other interesting things with Alex, I mean, seeing him yesterday is his tight control in, in, in very tight spaces is, is fairly remarkable. It's not just his sort of driving ability to take players on, but his, his close control is, you know, I mean, again, it's it's tough to compare with an Alexis who, you know, you see him sort of shimmy past players, create that little bit of space. But Alex seems to be doing that a lot more as well. And we saw him, I think it was against Bayern Munich, was it last season, that, you know, that one run he had um, that comes to mind when he took on, you know, a wide range of players. Um, and that sort of exemplified some of the, the attributes and skill set that Alex has in his locker. Mm. Yeah, I, I want to start to wrap up because it is... Um... A holiday here in the states, and and I, I know Michael in particular is a family man and wants to stay a family man, uh, <laughs> and that means not talking Arsenal through through his entire holiday. Yeah. But uh, one one of the things that that I I think I want to touch on just really quickly is, look, this was a big win over a good team. They're not good in the Bundesliga, but they have been excellent in Europe. You know, I I tweeted kind of half jokingly that beating them makes me a little frustrated that we dropped the points we did to Anderlecht, obviously, because it looks very likely we're going to be second in this group, but. Let, let me just ask you this, without wanting to seem overly negative, and I'm not saying this is my opinion at all, but we'll start with you really quickly, Michael. Is this a morale-boosting big win over a big team showing our quality uh, in a crucial situation, or is there maybe a little, a tiny hint of Arsenal winning sort of a dead rubber in Europe again and, and, and admittedly, look, the last dead rubber we won in Europe, you know, against Bayern Munich in the second leg was a, a huge catalyst to a very big finish to our season. So even that can sometimes have massive repercussions. But do you see this as a very big win in a very big spot against a very good team? Or is there a slightly cynical side to you that says, you know, this is a still a, a good win, but maybe we need to put it in, in perspective and, and see how we do uh, you know, away to West Brom at the weekend. Well, I definitely think you have to. You have to say we have to see whether this is a a catalyst for going forward. You know, because it's 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 the day after the match. We just aren't going to know until we see what happens against West Brom. I will say this though: I think it's disrespectful to to professionals that uh, Dortmund are that they. You know that they just kind of mailed it in. I think that's kind of what people would like you to believe that. Oh well, we beat a side that we're already qualified for the next round. Yeah, but you know, Jurgen Klopp went in and said, "Look, we understand that we still have to win to be first of the group. We still have to, you know, we we want that first of the group seeding." And so they came out and they came out flat. They played flat. 
But you know what? We came out and we played our game. We played a controlled, composed game. And I thought we didn't, you know, and, and Dortmund had chances, but we just controlled them much better than, than we have in recent. And I think what this game for me does is confirms what I've been trying to say all season long, that this team is a talented team. It is certainly able on its day to play with the the style, panache, um, composure that we thought going into the season they would have. And, and I even thought that in, in the loss to United. I know we lost and, 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 and popular sentiment was supposed to be anger, but I looked at it and I was more frustrated because we didn't bury chances when we were all over that United team. I think this win for me confirms what I have felt about this team all season long, that this is a supremely talented group that needs to just get its act together. And if it gets its act together, um, they will, they will do well. And this league is right now so poor. It's, it's all over except for Chelsea. I would say Chelsea though. You look, we say that about Chelsea, but they, you know, when Cesc Fabregas goes on his annual January decline, I think they fall back to earth. Um, but I, we could, I still think we, look, we're still going to, I still think we're going to finish in the top of the table. Um, I, and it's a shame because this league, you know, had we performed where we could and where we should have, we'd probably be a, a lot more closer to Chelsea than we are at this point right now. Yeah, and by the way, just to clarify so you don't get uh, people questioning your sanity, when you say we'll finish at the top of the table, you mean in the top four, not... Yes, correct, first. correct, correct. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, James, what about you? You know, I mean, what, just really quickly, I mean, what, for me, I thought the performance was very good. I thought there were still some of those moments where I said, where are our fullbacks? Oh, gosh, what's going on? And, and players were having to run at light speed to get back and stop counters. I mean... Were there still a few signs in the naivete about the way we were defending, or for you overall, was this a good, solid, creditable performance against a, a good team in Europe that we can use as a springboard? I mean, the the performance itself wasn't wasn't flawless. It certainly wasn't perfect. But whether this result and this match proves to be a turning point in the season, because I think you know, as fans, we've all been searching for this this sort of mythical turning point, um, which we, we do tend to find most seasons, at least, um, in the, uh, certainly in the last few, um, is something that we can only really assess several games from now. But what I will say is there were several fans going into the game, um, and I'm not looking at anyone in particular here, um, who did think of this game very much as a dead rubber. But I thought that this match was the perfect um the perfect match to follow the United defeat because Borussia Dortmund are a team that finished second in the Bundesliga last year. They're a brand and they're a team that have a brand and a prestige that far exceed their current abilities. The perception of, of playing a team of the quality of Dortmund is, you know, certainly from a neutral perspective, the kind of the feeling sensation that you get from beating a side of that ilk kind of is actually from a momentum point of view, hypothetically speaking, I suppose, is far greater than the actual, the actual sort of um, performance in itself that we, we put out against Dortmund. Because in all honesty, they were fairly lackluster. I mean, Dortmund were 
you you could pretty clearly tell that they were a team that had been struggling in the Bundesliga. Um, you could see that that the team was was extremely was fairly flawed. I mean, they didn't have a player on the field that could really beat a man. And when we when we scored within the first two minutes of the game, that that in itself is was sort of the the nail in their coffin because as as you had mentioned previously, they're a they're a high pressing counter attacking side that were unable to really ca- counter what was a was a much more solid um, Arsenal side on this occasion. Who when we went two 0 up, we played sort of two banks of four. Uh, Wenger had specifically given Yaya in, an instruction to sort of actually start sitting deeper, um, especially when Arteta came off. And so the performance in itself, it was promising. It was certainly far superior to any of the performances we've seen this season, but it, the, perform, the performance in itself doesn't necessarily dictate the fact that we'll, we'll go on and, and continue to, to perform well over the sort of next coming games. But I do think it may prove to be the result in itself um, fairly monumental going forward. No, I, and I think that's, that's absolutely fair. I mean, look, there's no question that when we beat Bayern away, uh, that was a Bayern side that wasn't fully motivated to play that game. It was a dead rubber. But that performance and beating Bayern at the Allianz lifted our season, and, and hopefully this will do the same. Um, you know, and a lot of good things. I mean, Yaya Sonogo getting, getting his first goal is great. Um, seeing improvement from Cazorla and Ramsey is great. Losing Arteta is going to be obviously problematic going forward. You know, I, I think Yaya Sonogo is interesting because he's the kind of player you would think that would drive Arsene Wenger nuts because physically he has all the tools. He, he's got more pace than I think I realized. He's physical. He finds space well. He's the least polished, least clinical player you will see because he's just very, very raw. And usually Arson likes players that are extremely precise and clinical. But, um, you know, him getting a goal, again, can only be helpful with, uh, you know, with giving us more options, especially if we're chasing a game late. You know, he's someone you can throw on and create a little chaos. Overall, it's good news. It's a win. It's a step in the right direction. Some really encouraging performances. And I, I have to wrap up by saying the obvious thing here, which is, if we played West Brom away a hundred out of a hundred times, we could not beat them. <laughs> and there, there is absolutely no way Alexis Sanchez could score a hat trick against them whatsoever. <laughs> so, gentlemen, uh, Michael, uh, uh, remember if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's you are my Arsenal. Uh, runs a great website as well. Michael, happy Thanksgiving and thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. And James, again, it is GoonerFanatic49. James, once again, pleasure to speak to you. Pleasures. Yeah, and uh, up the arsenal. Hopefully keep it going with a win at the weekend. If you are celebrating Thanksgiving today, happy Thanksgiving. If you're not celebrating Thanksgiving today, that means that your waistline will uh, stay intact. (laughs) So have a great day, everyone, and cheers. Cheers. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.